Welcome to Caffeine, Crime and Canines, a podcast brought to you by two girls who love their dogs, love coffee, but most importantly, love true crime. Hello. Hi there. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. What are you doing? Oh, not much. Just nothing. Uh, standard Sunday. Yeah. Shopping and all that. You're the same, really. Pretty chill. What else have you been doing this weekend? Uh, not too much. Elsie's sick again, so oh. just laying low yesterday. Uh, do you know, yesterday I stayed in my pyjamas all day. <laughs> Did you? I love those days. Yeah, and I haven't done that in so long, but we just were chilling out yesterday. I feel like it was a miserable day though as well, so it's not like you missed anything. Yeah, exactly. I freaking yesterday would not believe what happened to me. I went to Chatty, right, and I lost my bank card. <gasps> no. And some little freaking jerks must have found it and gone to like Hungry Jacks in like the city, and then they went. They must have been from Broad Meadows. They've gone to Broad Meadows like convenience stores, and I don't know. Obviously, they just kept doing little transactions, and I didn't realize till like three hours later. I'm so annoyed. Like, how much oh. did they spend? They didn't spend that much. I don't think they spent that much. They would have only spent maybe like one hundred and something, but it looks like a lot because it's such little transactions. They probably were just like testing it out. Um, I mean, so I'm not so much. I don't care as much about the money they spent. I'm just annoyed because they've got to cancel everything, everything that was attached. Yeah, and everything like, do you know what I mean? You know, like the auto payments that come out through that card. I don't even know what the heck I've got coming off that card. It's just annoying. The whole thing's annoying, you know? Broadmeadows is so far away from Chadston. I know. I freaking know. And, you know, originally when I saw it, like as in like when I noticed it was missing, I was like, oh, like maybe it's in the car. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was just thinking like where the heck it could be. So I didn't cancel it like straight away. Like I had a look for it and then I canceled it. But when I canceled it, the last – it's like when I opened my statement, it said like Starbucks, which is like the last place I was, right? And I was like, oh, that's fine. Like no one's taken it. It must just be like somewhere – but then I didn't realize that, you know, with the transactions, it's actually not in order. It must be when that particular like supplier is going to charge your card. So if yeah. you actually scroll down, like all on the Saturday, there was all these transactions that I didn't originally see. So, oh, how annoying. Just annoyed. I know. That's really annoying. And I just feel like, like I found cards before, I found a wallet and I found them on Instagram to let them know. Like, I just feel like it's the right thing to do. Like, oh, anyway. Yeah, yeah people are shit. Yeah, so shit. So, yeah. Bugger. That, that's me for the weekend. Mm, that sucks. Yes. I'm very boring this week. <laughs> I don't think I have any news really. Yeah, I feel like I don't really, like news-wise, I don't think I've got anything too exciting. Next week we'll have lots to talk about because we're going to that, um, the thing yes. this week. Yes. I, I, fun. I know. I cannot wait. I'm really excited. So um, we will have lots to talk about next week regarding the, I think it's like an inside story. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. So, um, and two cases, is that right? They're going to talk yeah, about from two memory. cases. We don't yeah. know what they are. So, yes. Mm, interesting. 
Maybe we should get into this week's episode, Lockie. I think so. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. They appear to be portraits of one big happy family. In pictures posted on Facebook, David and Louise Turpin surrounded by their 13 children. But behind the smiles and matching outfits, the kids were not allowed to clean themselves. A reality, authorities say, that is so disturbing. Extremely malnourished to the point where they have muscle wasting and cognitive damage. It shocked the country. It appears that it started being tied up with rope, then they moved up to chains and padlocks. Now this mother and father are the ones in shackles, accused of inflicting years of cruelty on their own flesh and blood. This is off the charts, sadistic. Charges of torture, false imprisonment, and child abuse allegedly happening inside the couple's home in the town of Paris, California. The alleged horror all hidden in plain sight. Okay, so today we are talking about the Turpin family, and this case is fairly recent. Um, I think most of our listeners will know like it from the news. And as soon as you post photos of the family creator on Instagram, I'm sure everyone will know what we're talking about because I feel like it blew up in the news when it kind of went down. Yeah. Um, did you know about this case before or? You know what's really funny? Like the photos looked familiar. They looked – but I didn't know like the background story but – I did watch a 2020 special and for some reason that rejogged a lot of my memory. I think I might have been really interested when that came out and seen a little bit of it, but I didn't know the full story, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so David Turpin met Louise Robinette at Princeton High School and they married in Parisburg, Virginia in 1985. And now when they got married, David was 23 and Louise was only 16. <laughs> it's That's and nuts, it, especially like in the 80s. Yeah. And it's reported that Louise's dad didn't want her to be with David, which obviously is understandable with the age difference. But Louise's mum was like all for it. So she would like help Louise sneak around the dad like to see David and stuff. Hey, because were they family friends as well? Like the families knew yeah. each other in some way. So I guess that's why she thought like they're a good family. Like that's okay exactly. if you want to like fool around with him or marry him, I guess. And when they got married, what happened was David dressed up as her dad, like put on like a fake mustache oh. and stuff, went to high school, <laughs> checked Louise out of school for the day, and then they ran away and eloped and they were planning on going to Texas. So like he just like picked her up from school one day and then that was it. That is crazy. Crazy. So David went to university and graduated to become a computer engineer and he worked at really well-known like tech and engineering companies and he held pretty high positions with these companies as well. So they were pretty well off, like he was earning a really good wage. Um, it's also reported, like I'm just sorry, just going to jump back to Louise, but she had a pretty rough childhood growing up. Um, she was abused as a child and it's reported that her mum sold her and her sister to their grandfather, which was her mum's dad, and he would abuse them. 
That is sick. So like... she did, yeah, horrible. Um, so she did have a really rough childhood, um, you know, so it's not like they both came from good families and, you know. And maybe she saw like David as her escape from all that. You know what I mean? Like even though he was heaps older, he was sort of like going to take her away from all this bad stuff that was happening to her. Yes. So the Turpins are Pentecostal Christians, which I think is one of the more like radical sides of the Christian faith. Um, And part of their beliefs was that God had called on them to have numerous children. Which, you know, this happens, like you've seen like the 19 Kids and Counting show and like these families exist a lot, Mm. you know, like with all these children. And when they first moved to Texas, they had a nice two-story house that was kept clean. They lived a pretty lavish lifestyle. They regularly flew Louise's family to Texas, like all expenses paid trips. They went to Disneyland and like Six Flags and you know, they, they lived really, really well. Yeah. Um, but at that time they only had two children, so obviously it's a bit more manageable. <laughs> but yeah. in total throughout their marriage they had 13 children. Is <sighs> that wild. is wild. Hey, I and do you know? I think of anything worse. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, yeah, considering they were all like, I feel like there was a bunch of them that were sort of close in age, which is yeah. nuts. Yeah. And I did not actually know this, but you know that all the kids' names started with J. I know. How it's weird. 13 J names. Exactly. Of all the letters of the alphabet, J. Like, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> so in the beginning, their oldest child, Jennifer, she went to like a public elementary school and she was pretty heavily bullied she was known as the smelly girl and she used a candy bar wrapper as a hair tie so she was picked on for being you know unhygienic and poor really um she was pulled out of school in the third grade and david and louise decided to homeschool her and i I'm saying that in air quotes because that's like a very loose term, which I'll talk about later on. But after that, like when Jennifer was pulled out in the third grade, none of the other children were ever sent to a public school. Hmm. They were homeschooled. So in 1999, the family moved to Rio Vista in Texas. Um, And in 2007, so they lived there for quite a while, David and Louise decided to move 10 of their children to an isolated trailer, like a caravan, I assume, on their property. They kept the youngest children inside with David and Louise, but the other children were forced to fend for themselves in this trailer. How do you even fit 10 people in a trailer? It just would have been, like, horrible. horrible. Yes, Reportedly, they brought them groceries on a weekly basis, but this was not enough food to feed all of the kids. Um, And the children talk about, you know, being so hungry that they resorted to eating like ketchup, mustard and ice just to keep themselves full, I suppose. You know, actually, one of the girls, I remember saying she ate dirt. She was that hungry. She was eating dirt. That's horrible, isn't it? Isn't it? So David and Louise also forced their oldest child, Jennifer, to dis- discipline the other children. And Jennifer was forced to put them in cages. Um, and they used to threaten Jennifer that if she didn't discipline the children, then she would be put in a cage herself. 
So it seems like at this point there's that many kids, they don't know how to deal with them and they're just, you know, oh, I, I don't even know. But at the same time, I don't. I don't even think it's that. I feel like they're just so controlling. Like they've got some sort of control issue because there are other ways to go about if you can't care for your children. You know what I mean? Like reaching out for help. Like I'm sure their families would have helped them. It's crazy. Yeah. And to use like these manipulation techniques with like the eldest daughter. Like I don't know. I just feel like there is something else going on with the parents. And and they, they started out normal. And then there was obviously a turning point at some point where they started the abuse and their house became really filthy and disgusting and, you know, like there was obviously something that happened and, but, you know, we're not sure what that is, I suppose. Mm. So in 2010, the Turpin family left their house in Rio Vista and after they moved out, neighbours were obviously looking in the house. They found feces beds with ropes tied to them, dead cats everywhere and piles of garbage. It's like reported that like every surface in the house was just covered in garbage. And I believe it after seeing the, do you know what I mean? The house they found them in. Oh my gosh. Mm. So from there, so when they moved out of that house, they moved to Paris, California. So they've moved States reportedly for um, David's job because he was still working, you know, as a computer engineer at this time. Um, Neighbours around that area in California reported that the children were pretty silent unless they were spoken to. They all appeared really malnourished, had really pale skin. Um, And at this point in time, Louise kind of developed a bit of a shopping addiction and she would buy massive amounts of kids' toys and kids' clothes, but she would never let the children play with the toys or wear the clothes. Like a lot of the clothes still had tags and the toys were still in boxes, but it was just like this weird addiction that she had. But see, that's what I mean. So they obviously could have let the kids like play with them or wear clean clothes, but they decided against it. Yes. You know they what I mean? About- not because they don't, I can't afford it. Because, sorry, can I just say one other thing which I read, which I was mortified. Apparently, they used to, like, buy pizza and nice food, whatever, and leave it out on the table and make the kids look at it. They weren't allowed to eat it. They just w- could watch the food go moldy. So it's not even like she was eating it. She wanted them to watch it go moldy. That yeah, is so – yeah, exactly. And the, the children talk about, like – their clothes were absolutely filthy. Like they were never yeah. changed clothes and they would see all of these clothes with like price tags on them just like sitting there thinking like, what the hell? It's just so cruel. Like it is so cruel. In 2011, David and Louise filed for bankruptcy because of like this shopping addiction. They'd racked up $200,000 in credit card debt. So – the lavish lifestyle where they were going to Disneyland and all that stuff, like it was obviously an act, you know, they were just charging it on the credit card, I suppose. Yeah, 100%. One of Louise's sisters said that she was not able to see the children and another of Louise's sisters said that she was concerned about the children's weight when she did see them, like they did look malnourished, I suppose. Mm. Um. David and Louise would regularly post on Facebook with photos of the family, you know, making out like they were one big happy family. They'd post photos of them at Disneyland and they're all in matching outfits and etc. But like you look at those photos and the kids look sick. Yeah. 
don't they? They really do. They really do. And awkward. Like there's something really eerie when you look at these photos. Yeah. Especially now knowing what's happened. It's like, oh. Yeah. So the homeschool that David had registered where he was homeschooling his kids was registered as the Sandcastle Day School. David was listed as the principal and Louise was listed as the teacher, but they weren't actually schooling them at all. Like not, not at all. Um, Hey, apparently they're like nocturnal as well. Like they would, they would make them sleep throughout the day and only at night they could get up. Yeah. And I think that was so no one saw them. Yes. But that's, that's exactly what I mean. That's why it's not because they've got too many children and they're struggling. Like that is some sort of control, you know, like some sort of controlling behavior that's going on there. Yeah. And what is sad as well about the schooling was that obviously this this homeschool was registered with the state, but the school system never took, like, never did, you know, like inspections on the school or never checked up to see like what level the kids were at or nothing. Like this homeschool just slipped through the cracks. How is that even possible? Oh, like that could have been the difference really. Yeah, 100%. So the children didn't spend all of their time in captivity. As I mentioned earlier, um, there were photos of the family at Disneyland um, all wearing matching T-shirts. And I think I read somewhere that David and Louise are like obsessed with Disney and Disneyland. Oh, I saw this. And have you seen the number plates on their car? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> DL forever. But I don't know if that's like David and Louise forever or, or Disneyland D- forever because their other number plate I think was DS land. It's like they're just oh. obsessed with Disneyland. I'm sorry, but D- loving Disney to me is a red flag. See, you know, can I say something? <laughs> I love Disney and you know I love Disney. But in the last few years – I start to think the same thing. Like I'm just, there's something really creepy about it. And I told you, I think it's because I saw this thing on YouTube and it was about like conspiracy of actual like Disneyland and like some of the shows, like what's in the background, what they actually say. Like it is just this huge, crazy thing that you don't even realize when you're a kid, what the heck you're watching just gives me the creeps. So in 2013, David and Louise decided to renew their vows in Vegas, like in the classic chapel with Elvis as the (laughs) person. Um, And there is photos of the whole family at this vow renewal, all wearing matching outfits. There's videos of like David and Louise doing their first dance or whatever and the kids kind of dancing in the background. Can you see them dance? How bad is a dancing, Lockie? It's Sorry, you go. <laughs> I was just going to say it's really awkward. It's uncomfortable to watch. Do you know what's uncomfortable? Did you see them kiss? Oh. It's like open mouth kissing. It's disgusting. Oh, my. Wait a <laughs> sec. Sorry. Can I just ask you, are you going to touch on, I don't know if you're going to touch on in this episode, about their um, behavior outside of the marriage? No. I don't go, know if you know yeah, about this. Go the, for it. Oh my goodness. So apparently at some stage throughout their relationship, they sort of decide to go like outside the religion and they they say like they're going to explore other things, right? And I'm pretty sure like Louise like sleeps with 
another man or another or other men like I don't know if David helped her find other men or something right and then on their anniversary they booked the same hotel and the same room that she slept with that other guy and she slept with David on that same bed and she tells her sister oh, all about it yuck how crazy is that that's weird I know I know it's freaking strange but this she's actually why- told people about it like, this is why I do not understand religion. Like, how do you call yourself a person of God and you do things like that? Like, I just don't get it. Well, I think they said the, at this stage, I think this is when the kids, they had moved them into the caravan, right? And then they say that they want to explore, I don't know, like, I don't know if whether it's their relationship or other religions. I think that they sort of, like, put their religion to the side and are not, involved in the church anymore and that's when they start having like I don't know all these I don't even know what you'd call them like they become in an open relationship or something he helps her find men like I don't know what's going on there all I know is that she slept with some guy and he knew about it and then they went and rented out that same room I think it's for the anniversary and had sex on the same bed and it's just freaking weird it is weird So by 2015, some of the older children, and like when I say older children, like they're they're adults. Like most of their children are above 18 at this point. They were allowed to have phones. And I think like David and Louise knew at this point that they were so heavily manipulated that giving them a phone really wasn't going to do anything. Like they weren't going to call anyone or run away or anything. Well, they didn't um, have any contact with anyone and they didn't know any better. So how would they – do you know what I mean? Like I can see exactly. why they didn't do anything or why they didn't call anyone. And um, I also read somewhere that they gave them phones so they could like text them instructions and stuff. Yeah, and check in on the younger kids like for punishments yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. So Jordan Turpin, obviously one of their children, she grabbed like an old phone of one of her brothers, I think, and she started like exposing herself to social media. So reported that she like once like stumbled upon a Justin Bieber film clip and she saw like all these happy kids and was like, what the hell? And like she just like loved looking at Justin Bieber, like Mm. Justin Bieber saved her in a sense, I suppose you could say. And what she started doing was she started thinking, okay, well, I'm going to put videos on YouTube and hope that someone sees them. Mm -hmm. And she was doing that. She was recording videos of her singing and she put them on YouTube and she began having a conversation with a guy like through the YouTube comments. And he was asking her like, why are you always inside? Like, you know, asking all these questions and she was kind of telling him about her life and he said, you know, this isn't normal, like you need to call the police. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't for that guy, I guess they would have never known maybe like. I think Jordan is amazing. Like I honestly, Mm -hmm. I, when I watch her interviews, I just think she is incredible. Yeah. Um, so she obviously took this, on board and thought, okay, I've got to do something. And it's also reported that the David and Louise were talking about moving the whole family to Oklahoma. And when they got to Oklahoma, every single child was going to be put in a cage. So 
Jordan knew, okay, this is it. We've got to get out of here. And like enough's enough. She and like photos. now or never. Exactly. Yeah. She took photos of the house like as evidence because she'd watched the show Cops and she knew she had to have evidence of what was going on. She took photos of some of her siblings that were chained to their beds. How smart phone. is that? Because she so knew. She, she's like, if they don't believe me, I'm screwed. Like she's like, I need the police to believe me. It's like why my one shot to get out of here. I just think, yeah, for her to even think of that, it's, yeah, incredible. So on January the 14th in the early hours of the morning, I think at about 5 a.m., this is in 2018, the children had been planning their escape for more than two years. Um, I think Jennifer, she had roughly drawn a map for Jordan as what she thought like the street looked like outside just to help her. Um, and those early hours of the morning, Jordan left through a window um, and one of her younger sisters who was 13 at the time, followed Jordan out of the window but became scared and turned back to the house. But 17-year-old Jordan Turpin, she got a good distance away from the house and she called 911 on this old um, phone that she had from her brother. Like it was deactivated but obviously you can still call 911. Um, And I'll just pop the 911 call in the episode now. 911 emergency, what are you reporting? Um, hello? This is 911. Do you have an emergency? Uh, I just ran away from home because I was in a family of 15. Okay? Can you hear me? And we have abusing parents. Did you hear that? Okay. How did they abuse you? Okay. They hit us. They throw us across. They like throw us across the room. They pull our hair, they, they yank out our hair. I have two, my two little sisters right now are chained up. Okay, how Did old you are you? I'm 17. What's your name? Jordan Turpin. A second dispatcher picks up. Hello? Oh yes, I'm still here. I was actually on the road because I didn't even know about the sidewalk. You're supposed to be on the sidewalk, but I never been out there. What's your address? Okay, you got to give me a minute. It's gonna take a while. I've never been out. I don't go out much, so I don't know anything about the streets or anything. Does anybody at the house take any kind of medication? Oh, I don't know what medication is. She told the 911 dispatcher that she and her siblings were being abused by their parents, that the house smelled so bad that sometimes she could barely breathe. And she also told the dispatcher that two of her sisters and one of her brothers were currently chained to their beds. Crazy, hey? It is. uh, And even when she's talking, she's saying like, I've never, like, she's never actually been outside before. And the way she's communicating with the dispatcher, that's what I mean. That's why I find her so amazing. Like, how brave would she have had to have been to, one, use the phone to call 911, and then, two, explain the situation to a stranger, and you've never spoken to a stranger before in your life. Like, And you can tell, like, you know, she's obviously been locked up for 17 years. She's never gone to school. Like her language is really different too. Like, yes, you know, she can't say, like she says, my parents are abusing parents, you know, instead of like my parents abuse us. Like her language is really different. 
Yeah. So officers from the Riverside County Sheriff's Office meet her on the street after she makes this call and she talks through, you know, what she'd just told the dispatcher. She shows the officer photos. Um, He pops it in her police car and he makes a decision that he's going to send officers to the house just to do like a welfare check. Um, But Jordan stays with him at this point. Like she's not returned to the house, which is obviously a smart decision because she was terrified that they were going to kill her. Yes, she says that because I think he asks her in the car, like, what would your parents do if they found out? And she's like, they would, like, kill me. Kill me, yeah. So officers uh, go to the house. This is all body cam footage, which is covered in that 2020 um, documentary that we watched. I'll try to pop some on our Insta as well. Yeah, so they knock at the door. It's reported that it takes them like two minutes to come to the door and obviously it's because they're trying to hide evidence. But when they open the door and the police say, you know, we're doing a welfare check, Louise is like acting perplexed as to why they're even there, which is wild to me. And David is like standing in the doorway, like he will not let them through even though they push past him. He's just like standing there making sure they don't get in. Can I just tell you, can we talk about David's haircut for one sec? Oh, what? Oh. This is in 2018, Lockie. I know. Imagine what people thought about him at his job. I have like no the idea. Maybe they thought because he's a computer engineer, they're just like, oh. <laughs> it's like a full a bowl haircut. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. disgusting. It's, it's so <laughs> thick too. Thick and I gray. know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so thick. Oh, I'm dying. That's so funny. So when officers entered the home, they encountered the smell of feces, garbage everywhere, dead animals, moldy food, surface was, every surface was covered in garbage. Like it looked like a hoarder's house, like there was just stuff everywhere. They located all of the other 12 children, one of which was shackled to a bed, a boy. Um, he had apparently been there for weeks and the two sisters that Jordan said were chained to their bed, they had bruises around their wrists when the police officers found them and I think they think that David and Louise unshackled them while they were quickly trying to, you know, hide the evidence before they opened the door. Yeah, because even with the little boy that they found, like, chained to his bed, they had actually put, like, boxes, like, blocking a doorway so they couldn't even go in to see him in his room so they definitely yeah. that's probably why they took so long to come to the door because they were like do you know what I mean like rushing around the house like trying to get rid of evidence but you know something sorry just quickly another thing which I found just shows I guess how isolated they were but Jordan didn't even know the word bruise because you know when she's telling the officer and showing the officer photos of her sisters, she she, like she doesn't say look at the bruise. I'm pretty sure she says that's the marks they get, like from the chains. Like she doesn't even know what a bruise is, Lockie. It's crazy. And the officer says like, you know, are you on any medication? And she's like, I don't know what medication is. And he goes Mm. pills. And she goes, I've never taken a pill before. Like her language to me is just wild. Like it's crazy. So most of the children had bruises. Um, They all looked malnourished. They were filthy, like caked in filth. Several of the children were over the age of 18, but the officers thought that they were all under 18 because they were all so small from being malnourished. For example, Jennifer Turpin, who was the oldest, she was 29 years old and she only weighed 37 kilos. One of the 12-year-old 
children had an arm circumference the same size as a four-month-old baby. Oh, my goodness. Which is just, like, oh, crazy. Most of the children lacked basic knowledge. They didn't know what, like, medication was, like I said, and they didn't know, like, who the police were. Like, they knew nothing. After this raid, the police immediately detained David and Louise and they took all of the children to hospital. Apparently they spent months in there, like obviously trying to get them back to good health. Um, and then following this, six of the younger children were put in foster homes. So from here, David and Louise are charged with 12 counts of torture, 12 counts of false imprisonment, seven counts of abuse of a dependent adult, and six counts of child abuse. And David also received an additional charge of a lewd act on a child under 14. Like, I think he must have touched one of his daughters or something. Mm. Uh, you know what um, I found interesting? That it, they were only charged with 12 counts, not 13, because apparently the baby they had seemed healthy. Like, it was actually, they actually cared for the baby. Maybe. And also- apparently. Oh, yeah. No, you tell me. I think we're going to say the same thing. I read that Louise, like, liked having babies. But as soon as they became kids, she would just be like, uh. Yes, that's exactly what I read. Like, that's why she'd care for them for the first few years. And then after, she didn't want a bar of them. Yeah, that's sad. Isn't it? David was also charged at a later date for perjury for a false affidavit he had signed stating that children were being educated in a like private homeschool. So they obviously were just trying to get him with every charge that they good. could. Yes, good. They were both sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 25 years, but it's reported that because of the kind of nature of their crimes, they will likely be denied parole and they will spend the rest of their life in jail. Um. In October 2019, five of the younger children that were placed into foster care, I think they got fostered out together, but they were adopted by another abusive family who tormented them even further. Um, It's reported that these children were hit in the face with shoes. They had their hair pulled. They were forced to overeat, and then when they would vomit, they were forced to eat their own vomit. And the foster father was accused of, like, fondling them and kissing them and disgusting how does this happen how does this freaking happen i don't get it i I literally it gives me no faith like and one of the things they say is like they never try to escape because they didn't want to be separated like they thought the outside world might be scarier all this stuff and this freaking happens to them when they get out it oh it really pisses me off yeah so this family was arrested and charged with abusing children in their care but like like you say like these poor children like they don't know a normal life now like I think yes taking them out of that home and then putting them in another horrible home like they must just think that this is what life is Mm. you know so an ABC special was done which is this 2020 doco that we've been talking about this was aired in November 2021 and in this it's reported that some of the Turpin children have been completely neglected by social services. Some of them are apparently homeless and there has been hundreds of thousands of dollars donated to them that they are not able to access. Like the money is managed by like a court appointed guardian and her name is disclosed in this doco. And Apparently, like, they just cannot access any of the money. For example, Joshua Turpin, one of the um, sons, he requested 
from this public guardian, you know, to withdraw some money to buy a bike and this was denied. (sighs) Look, something (laughs) needs to happen here. You know what I mean? Like who is on their side? Mm, Exactly. And it's reported this public guardian has since been let go from her position, obviously, but I don't know now who manages that money for them. I don't know if they have been able to access it since. Um, But like they're in foster care and then when their foster care finishes, they're literally just left, like they're just put on the street. Yeah, to fend for themselves. Jordan Turpin talks in that ABC special that when she was released with foster care, she had no life skills. Like she didn't know how to buy food or anything like that. She wasn't given any housing. She didn't know how to access any health care. Like she had nothing. You know, like this isn't just kids being pulled from a, you know, a abusive house. These are kids with no education at all. Yeah. In July of 2022, the siblings filed lawsuits against the county and the foster care agency and social services. I'm not sure the outcome of this lawsuit as yet, but I would hope that it would be ruled in their favour <laughs> because – yeah. They just have been given absolutely no chance. I read an article, obviously, that the younger kids and stuff have been put into like a different foster, um, with a different foster family and they are a lot happier and, you know, like the children at the moment are doing pretty good. You know, I don't know if you've seen Jordan's TikTok account. She loves doing like TikTok. TikTok. (laughs) Yeah, loves it. And I was on, I was last night, I was just on her account and, she is just like I just find her amazing, and I've said it like a hundred times, but I just oh, yeah, she's, find her yeah. so brave. And now, yeah, as I said, she's on TikTok. She's got like I think she's got a million followers. So hopefully, like she's got the support now. You know what I yeah, mean? I that so. she needs like to help her with her future. So I hope so. Um. So lots of podcasts on this case. There's a few docos. I think I also saw that. Netflix have done like I don't know if I'd call it a doco but it's reportedly based on this story oh Um, yeah I'm not I'm not sure what it's called or anything like that but apparently it's there um but yeah all the children are out some are still in foster care a lot of them are adults now um it's also a really good point that I wanted to mention so a few weeks ago we talked about JC Lee Dugard and she has her JC foundation for kids that you know, have gone through traumatic situations. She has reportedly raised like hundreds of dollars for the Turpin children and she is managing that money for them. Oh, wow. That's amazing. (gasps) I love that. that. Yeah. Isn't that like such a weird point? Like we just covered that. Yes. Oh my (laughs) goodness. So my smile just went like huge. Like I don't know why that makes me really happy. Um, But yeah, so hopefully they're doing well. Um, but yeah, that's the case of the Turpin family or the house of horrors as they've been called described. Yeah. Mm. So if you have a case you want us to cover, send us a message on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at caffeine, crime and canines. And until next week, until next week. Bye. Bye.